Welcome into this episode of the Hopeless Sports Mantic Podcast. We just got big news on Aaron Rodgers finally making the move over to the Jets in a trade, and that was able to shake up, uh, I think, a lot of the mocks that have happened in the last uh, week or so, but luckily I was in the middle of making mine when the trade happened, so I was able to make some on-the-fly adjustments to the mock so we can have um, the Hopeless Sports Magnet Podcast 2023 NFL Mock Draft as up-to-date as possible. So uh, what we're going to do this time around, I've done it in uh, previous years, uh, just what I would do with each pick. And this time around, I think I'm going to try to factor in a little bit more on what some of the media outlets are reporting on and uh, just to try to keep it a little bit closer to uh, just a little bit more accurate in terms of how the actual draft uh, will shake out. So without further ado, with the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. Now this is obviously probably an incredibly predictable pick. The odds keep continuing to move up in favor of Bryce Young going to the Panthers, and for good reason. He's... I think Cerebral, just in terms of his understanding and feel for the game, he's by far the best quarterback in this class. He sees the field incredibly well. He's incredibly accurate. He does not get rattled in the big moments. He is able to step up when it matters. Uh, The biggest holdback on him is the lack of size and lack of frame to where he's the epitome of a guy that you – um, very well could cause him to be beat up and deal with a lot of injuries if you don't either cover him with a lot of free agent money to upgrade your offensive line or what I think a, there's a good chance the Panthers might do this as well is go and immediately spend other draft picks on offensive line to try to immediately try to move along some offensive help along with him. Now, they did get Iki Aquanu in the last draft, who I think is going to be able to take another step to kind of bolster an offensive line that doesn't have the best reputation over the past few years. But Carolina Panthers, Bryce Young, pick one. The Texans at pick two, they go with his teammate at Alabama, Will Anderson. I think the the risks and some of the off-the-field off stuff that's happened with Jalen Carter – I think the Texans and D'Amico Ryans are just going to see that too much. Um, it's too much to overcome in terms of being able to pick him at two. But I still think um, with some of these other quarterback situations and the fact that I think you see a defensive coach coming in, he's going to want to build his team around that kind of identity. So they go Will Anderson at two. At three, this is where things get spicy. We We've seen... And some of these past uh, outlets are kind of leaking that a team that's been involved a little bit more than expected in some of these quarterback interviews are the New England Patriots. So what I think they do is they're going to trade up and take the Cardinals pick at three to the Cardinals, a team that have their franchise quarterback 
and just need to and are looking to start a rebuild and add depth around a quarterback that's already in place. And I think the Patriots, who have a pretty decent roster around a quarterback position that's lacking already, they're going to trade up and go get Will Levis out of Kentucky with pick number three because I think he's just the most pro-ready of the other of the three somewhat elite quarterback prospects left on the board he played in an NFL system he's a really smart guy he tested very well uh and he's got great physical traits and I I think people tend to forget they look a lot at the stats a lot at the numbers especially when you're comparing him to guys like CJ Stroud he played at Kentucky which is first and foremost a basketball school the teams that he's going up against are going to have better defenders than weapons he has to throw to, and he's going to be f- facing a lot of teams that have more talent than he has around him. So the odds are kind of stacked against him uh, from the very beginning. So I think with that in mind, that's who New England trades up to get. And I think, and I have it set here in this trade, the Cardinals get New England's first this year and their third this year, and their second next year to move up from 15 down to three. And now with the fourth pick, this is where I think we there's a lot of, lot of talk around what the Colts might do here. But I think you got a new OC that's coming, new head coach that's coming from Philly. They're going to go Anthony Richardson because I think he, physically um, – He's the closest thing you have to Jalen Hurts. And I think there's going to be at least one of these coaches in the top 10 is going to kind of trust their own coaching ability and think that they can develop Anthony Richardson into that elite Josh Allen-like quarterback. Now, if you've listened to the podcast, you know I'm definitely not the highest on Anthony Richardson. He very well could get a GM fired. But I think just off of his raw potential, you're going to see him get drafted probably in the top five, if not the top 10 in this draft. So at four, Colts go Anthony Richardson. At five, we have the Seahawks going with Tyree Wilson. He's a guy that's really moved up draft boards. The guy that he reminds me a lot of is Cam Jordan. And I think just what Pete Carroll wants to establish as an identity for the Seahawks and the fact that he's got um, an extra pick in the first round to work with as well. Uh, I think he just goes with the best guy available, and at that point, it's Tyree Wilson, defensive end out of Texas Tech. At six, this is probably the pick that I am the most confident in outside of pick one. Uh, we're going to do – We're gonna. I, I think the Lions here are going to go Devin Witherspoon at six, the corner out of Illinois – I think he's the best corner in the draft. He plays with tremendous physicality for the position. He has great instincts, tremendous ball skills. He very rarely gets caught in a position to where he's forced to commit pass interference, which I think is especially great to see at the collegiate level where the penalties are a lot less, um, aren't nearly enforced as harshly for pass interference, but he still um, just doesn't seem to commit them even when it's fresh opportunities for the receivers to draw those kind of penalties and the lions had probably the worst pass defense in the entire nfl so this pick just makes perfect sense for them to go with uh, devin witherspoon at seven i think you i'm seeing some somewhat of a turnaround from um 
kind of coming back around to him from what this regime was doing earlier um, with saying they weren't going to take a guy like this. I think the Raiders got to go Jalen Carter here. He's the, the, the talent, I think, is just too much to ignore. You know you're you're betting on that just the the tragedy of losing um, multiple friends in a car accident just after the national championship game uh, at Georgia that that played a huge part in him kind of struggling at the pro day and having getting into some of these other issues off the field uh, and I think that that's just something that he is going to be able to overcome. Maybe he's like. Uh, Warren Sapp, who went to Apopka High School as well. So maybe they have a similar trajectory where they're a guy that slips later into the first round and then they make the teams that didn't pick him regret it. But we'll have to see how that goes down the line. So at seven, the Raiders take Jalen Carter. Now we have pick eight where my Atlanta Falcons sit. The thing is, though, I don't have them being the ones making this pick. I have them trading with the Titans to move back in the draft, and the Titans go up to pick eight to get the franchise quarterback that they want, who they believe is C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State at pick eight. I think that they bet on just looking at the tape, seeing the kind of damage that C.J. Stroud did uh, against defenses like Georgia and against uh, some of the other um, top teams in the Big Ten. Um, and all of these testing scores, I think they just kind of see it as a little bit overblown. Maybe it's a Lamar Jackson situation where he flunked some of the, the testing stuff and then it doesn't really come back to bite him in the end. Um, so with this trade that they do to move up, I, I have the outside of swapping the first-round picks, they get Atlanta is able to get pick 41 and pick 186, which if you might remember, pick 186 is one of the ones that Tennessee got from Atlanta in the Julio Jones trade. So they are able to get that pick back and add a little bit more depth to um, what they're able to move with the draft capital here. At nine, the Bears believe they have their franchise quarterback in Justin Fields. So they go to try to protect him. They go back to Georgia and they get Broderick Jones at offensive tackle. I think that, that what separated Jones from Paris Johnson out of Ohio State for me with this pick was Broderick Jones just so physical in the run game is able they he's able to engage in a lot of pulls. He runs very well with downfield blocking for an offensive tackle and Given what the Bears have done schematically, the run game is going to be a heavy focus for them. So they get a guy that can protect Justin Fields and be a threat for them in the run game as well. Next, we have the Eagles uh, at pick 10, despite making the Super Bowl. They're probably one of the more loaded rosters, but if there's a weak point given some of the free agency um Guys, I guess free agency exits, they're a little bit thin in the defensive back room. So with that, I have them getting Brian Branch out of Alabama, who I have as, I think he's just the most versatile defensive back in this class. He can play safety. He could probably play slot corner. I think they're probably going to play him at star uh, just with his, he's a great blitzer. He has a great nose for the ball. He's able to cover some of the better 
um, receivers and coverage. He's just an absolute do-it-all type defensive back um, that he probably would have even gone higher if he his if he would have tested just a little bit better in terms of uh, the combine and some of those physical traits. But Brian Branch at 10. At 11, this pains me to say this as a Falcons fan, but it's just too, there's too much noise around it to ignore. At pick 11, the Falcons know that they can get him a few picks later and there's and the Titans are desperate for a quarterback, so they're able to trade back to pick 11 and still get the guy that they want, which sadly for me is Bijan Robinson running back out of Texas. Simple way to put it, he's if you don't account for positional value, which if you know me is a huge deal for me. I do not like running backs going probably earlier than the the going mid second round at the earliest, but he's kind of seen as the the quote unquote generational running back prospect, and um, that's kind of what Arthur Smith likes to build around is the run game. And they want to use him and Tyler Algier as a terrific uh, duo in the backfield. What I'm hoping they're able to do as a Falcons fan is use him in a little bit of the same way that the 49ers use Debo Samuel, where they're going to line him up at receiver in the slot and he's going to catch a lot of passes, kind of be a two for one deal, similar to, in a way, to what they do with Cordero Patterson. But Cordero obviously probably has. I think this last year left on this contract, and then it won't surprise me if he retires at the end of this year. So Bijan Robinson goes to the Atlanta Falcons. At pick 12, I think the Texans go defense again, a guy that probably could go earlier, but I think he's just the luck of the draw. He ends up dropping down to pick 12 is Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of Oregon. He's probably seen as one of the most athletic corners in the class um, and a guy uh, coached him by the name of Mario Cristobal, who's known for putting some pretty athletic guys at positions uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And I think he is able to um, kind of just be another one of the, the footholds that's one of the, uh, cornerstones that D'Amico Ryans tries to build his Houston defense around so they go defense again and get Christian Gonzalez at 12 at 13 Packers draft another Georgia defender because it just makes it makes too much sense they get Nolan Smith the edge out of Georgia who is a guy that I'm was seeing in a lot of mocks to go to the Falcons but I think just Arthur Smith wants to wants to go offense again. Uh, I wouldn't mind this pick as a Falcons fan, but right now we're talking about the Packers, and um, they could still use um, kind of shore up the edge rush a little bit. Obviously, I think we saw a little bit of a drop off with um, Zadarius Smith going off to Minnesota, and if not, um, I think age itself would have dropped his production a little bit. But from that, they go and they just continue. You have Quay Walker, you have Devontae Wyatt, you have Eric Stokes on that defense. Why not, do, why not just add another Georgia guy to that defense and Nolan Smith? So now we're at pick 14. This is where um, this was the Patriots initially, but because of the trade, it will now be the Cardinals at pick 14 where 
they finally do it. They go for a guy that can protect Kyler Murray because he demands such. They get Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle out of Ohio State, who is going to be the second tackle off the board. That'll be very interesting to see some of these teams that need help in the trenches to protect their young quarterbacks, which of the tackles goes first. I think people just, I think they just see the uh, potential and the physical traits that Johnson has. He's a guy that I think actually moved up a good bit after the season just with some of the I guess lack of a run game as a whole from the Ohio State offense at times um so with that that adds a another tackle off the board there at pick 14 this time to Arizona the Jets now at sit at pick 15 because of the trade with uh the Packers for Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers is part of this. He gets his way. He gets a receiver, and I think the first receiver off the board is probably going to be Zay Flowers out of Boston College. He's a guy that was, I think, gets a little got a little bit of the small school treatment early in the draft process, but he's interviewed incredibly well. He has a huge catch radius. He's impressed a lot of teams. Look for Kansas City to possibly trade up to get him as well. They late in the uh, interview process, actually had him come and do a workout for them. So look for the Super Bowl champs to maybe try to add another weapon into the mix for him. Next, we have the Washington Commanders, who are also looking for weapons to help, uh, this time a much younger quarterback. They had success with an Ohio State receiver before, why not go and get another one? This time they're going to get Jackson Smith and Jigba, who uh, is going to be a terrific slot receiver. And I think that makes it a, a very, very strong receiving core to help out the young quarterback of Sam Howell with scary Terry McLaurin. You have Jahan Dotson, who you got from Penn State, and now you have Jackson Smith and Jigba. So you have three Big Ten East receivers in that room to really help a young quarterback around and both all these guys I think can have success in the RPO game which is what Sam Howell's bread and butter was at North Carolina next we have the Pittsburgh Steelers probably going to go defensive back here I have them getting Deontay Banks out of Maryland because he just tested incredibly well he has great physical traits and Pittsburgh's MO has just been able to be development on the defensive side of the ball. So they are a team that is probably going to lean more on the raw physical traits with Mike Tomlin's staff rather than the guy's production. And I think Banks arguably could have, uh, he's probably second to um, Devin Witherspoon in terms of how he's, I think, Tested in the draft process, being a, another Big Ten defensive back. Um, so we'll see which way they go here, but I have them getting Deontay Banks. We have another corner go to Detroit and another corner go back-to-back at pick 18. They're going to go, Detroit goes Joey Porter Jr. He's a big physical corner, and I think that just, his play style at the corner position I think just fits what Dan Campbell wants to do as the head coach of Detroit. And they just, 
I, I don't know if this has been done before, but I just sense that they want to have a complete turnaround defensively to where they would be willing to go and add two guys at the same position on either side of the field uh, to really bolster the secondary. Now, you also have another slot in that roster that's opened up in the defensive backfield because of the Jeff Okuda trade to the Falcons for, I believe it was a fifth-round pick a few weeks ago. So you have just another hole in that room, another excuse to go and get a corner. So Joey Porter Jr. at pick 18. We move to pick 19 where you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers adding an edge rusher who's kind of, it's it's very up in the air where he can end up pick-wise, but it's going to be Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. Todd Bowles uh, comes in, as this is his second year as the head coach in Tampa, and I think he just wants to be able to build the team his way. They had all these offensive guys. They have a lot of offensive guys under contract, and I think uh, he wants to kind of create that elite pass rush for a team that's going to blitz an awful lot, and Lucas Van Ness is the kind of high-motor guy that I think just fits the type of edge rusher that he's going to want to bring to the table. So Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa gets to a much warmer climate in Tampa, Florida. Seahawks at pick 20. They can go in a lot of different directions. They already had pick five in the draft. So it's kind of just, I think, going best player available, if not um, trying to fit a team identity. So I have them get an Osiris Torrance out of Florida. He's probably going to be the first interior offensive lineman off the board if it's not John Michael Schmidt, the center out of Minnesota, because he's just such a he's an amazing run blocker, and they've spent some early capital on Kenneth Walker. I think they're going to want to get the most out of that, become a real grounded pound physical run game type team. So they get in, I think, arguably the best run blocker in the draft in Osiris Torrance. At pick 21, Chargers obviously need receiving help, but a lot of the top receivers, I think, are already off the board in a very, you have, I say that there's only a two of them off the board, but this receiving class is just very weak this year. There's not a lot of pass catchers uh, on the outside, so Chargers uh, think a little bit outside the box, and they get Dalton Kincaid tight end out of Utah. Just because they, I think they have to, with this first-round pick, give Justin Herbert another offensive weapon to throw to. So they think of, they get the guy that's probably, I think, the best pass catcher in terms of the tight end position. He can line up in the slot. He's a little bit undersized in terms of a blocker, but I think he's been cleared all in all with the, the medicals. Uh, that could be a red flag that causes him to drop a little bit, but I think the Chargers trust their gut on this one and they go Dalton Kincaid. Ravens at pick 22. I think the Lamar Jackson situation puts a lot up in the air. Obviously, there's not a trade situation going on, but I think the, I, I, I just think there's a good chance that they add in some of these receivers left over from trades or in the free agent market, they very well could go get D-Hop, I think. Uh, they've added Odell Beckham Jr., so I don't think they reach for a receiver here. I think they just go with a very underrated D-line prospect in Kalijah Cansey out of Pitt, who is one of the faster 
defensive lineman on this uh draft in this draft class and his uh physical traits are just off the charts. He's actually from from the Pittsburgh faithful actually gotten a little bit of an Aaron Donald comparison. I wouldn't go that far, but he's a guy that with the right development, he could have a better career than some of these guys that are going to get picked in the top 5 or the top 10 in terms of the pass rushing positions. At pick 23, the Vikings, very similar to the Lions in that their biggest weakness was pass defense. So they also go defensive back in a very DB-heavy class. They go Cam Smith out of South Carolina, who is a guy that I think is highly underrated. You can't ignore the pedigree of playing in the SEC and playing at South Carolina specifically. There's a whole list of guys that from different coaches, from Steve Spurrier to Will Muschamp to... Uh, Towards the beginning, I guess you could give even um, Shane Beamer some credit there. But a big lanky corner, makes a lot of plays on the ball, is just always around the ball, which I think is the Vikings with the offense that they have. They're going to look at kind of trying to focus on limiting big plays, and I think Cam Smith does a great job of that. So that's who they go and get with pick 23. Pick 24 the last receiver in the first round because Jacksonville has to find a way to really build around the passing attack with Trevor Lawrence. They go all in to help him out. They get Jordan Addison out of USC who was looking at going higher but has not tested very well in terms of physical traits. But I think with a coach like Doug Peterson, a big offensive guy, he's going to roll on the tape and that's what he's going to trust. So that's who they get at pick 24. Pick 25 you kind of have an indirect Saban connection here with the Giants having head coach Brian Dayball was the offensive coordinator at Alabama. Kirby Smart was the defensive coordinator at Alabama at one point. Obviously, they faced each other. Uh, Kirby is de- defense as head coach and Dayball is offensive coordinator in the 2018 national title game. But I think there's enough overlap there and just the versatility of what this guy creates that that's who the Giants are willing to go with. They're going to go big Darnell Washington out of Georgia here with pick 25, a guy that I think is pretty much a lock for the late first round because of just what he can do as a blocker. He's got very strong hands, huge catch radius. So he could really help Saquon out in the run game. And Daniel Jones obviously isn't the most accurate quarterback in the world, but the Giants continue to roll with him. So they get arguably, I think, the most versatile offensive player in this draft class in Darnell Washington, the genetic freak out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Cowboys at pick 26. I think this is really going to be a, a pick that will showcase the kind of direction and the kind of trust that the Cowboys have. I think it's it's gotten to the point I think Zeke is kind of on his way out. So they're going to go Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. Another running back early pick for the Cowboys. Uh, I think he's just, his pass catching ability, his burst into the second level is elite. Biggest thing that's keeping Jameer off um, from being kind of up there with the Bijan Robinson pick is the fact that 
he cannot pass block very well. And this is a passing-driven league to where that's going to be something that even at Alabama kept him off the field at times was his inability to pass block. And I think the Cowboys, um, I guess, are going to rely on the development there in order to shore up that aspect of his game. At pick 27, we have the Buffalo Bills. There's a lot of directions that a team like Buffalo can go in that's strong across the board. Um, but I think with Coach Sean McDermott, they're going to go with a very smart, very um, instinctual, just he plays angry. Um, and he's going to be able to replace one of the key guys they lost in free agency. I think the Bills go Jack Campbell out of Iowa to replace Tremaine Edmonds at the linebacker position. Just going with something that continuing to be a position that the Bills put a lot of value into. They had Tremaine Edmonds, and they still have uh, Matt Milano, who is another one of the more underrated players in the NFL. So they shore up that defense again by getting Jack Campbell out of Iowa. The Bengals at pick 28, they finally go and get an offensive lineman to protect Joe Burrow. I've been saying this for probably two to three years now, but I think there's just no question that they got to go do it. They got Lyle Collins. His injuries are a little bit up in the air, and you still got another side of the tackle position that you need to be able to have a pretty good pass blocker. So what do they do? They go and get Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma from probably one of the teams that uh, Oklahoma's been kind of underrated as really one of the most consistent producers in terms of offensive line talent with guys like Orlando Brown and Trent Williams coming from Oklahoma. So with that, they they go and they, they get their guy, so to speak, at that position. Pick 29, you have the New Orleans Saints, who initially didn't have a first-round pick, and then they were able to make a trade to get back into the first round ahead of this draft. It's a defense that's very talented, but it's a little young, or, or it needs to get younger, I should say. Um, so with that, they go and get uh, Miles Murphy edge out of Clemson because I think he's a guy that people saw him going earlier. I think there's a little bit of an over-reliance on looking at just raw physical traits rather than tape here as well. And the Saints have been one of the teams that's great in terms of defensive development. And they know what they can work with in terms of what a Brent Venables understudy type guy believes. Obviously, he didn't spend this last year under uh, Venables with him taking over the head coaching job at Oklahoma, but he's probably the guy that recruited him and spent more time with him than some of these other coaches, so they're going to bet on that and get another pass rusher because Father Time is knocking on the door for Cam Jordan, and there's definitely a, a knock to the uh, pass rush that they lost at one point with Trey Hendrickson going off to the Bengals, so I think they'll want to try to add that mojo back to the pass rush a little bit. At pick 30... Eagles kind of fixed the one weak point left on their defense after going DB um, with Brian Branch. Isn't it nice to go to a Super Bowl and then have two first-round picks after that? But they go Drew Sanders, linebacker out of Arkansas. Um, he's just a great athlete, was 
uh, at Alabama playing edge, and then he wanted to go somewhere where he can be the an off-ball linebacker. So because of that, he actually decided to transfer to Arkansas, play under Sam Pittman, and he still used his athleticism in a completely different way. Always around the ball, it's just a tackle machine, makes plays, and with the secondary that they have with um, a great just all-around defense, all-around roster that the Eagles have, they just want a guy that's going to come in and just make the do the little things the right way, and I think Drew Sanders is the epitome of that kind of prospect. So Drew Sanders, linebacker out of Arkansas, pick 30 to the Eagles. The Chiefs largely upgraded their defense, and that was a huge factor in terms of them going back to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. They still just love them some DBs with physical traits, though. So with that, a guy that I think very well could go at the end of the first, if he has a right fit, could go at the early part of the second. But this is going to be the last Georgia player off the board in the first round. It's going to be Keely Ringo. Mr. National Title pick six man himself goes to a team that's drafted a couple of Georgia guys here and there themselves. McCall Hardman also uh, on the offensive side of the ball is a a Georgia Bulldog. And um, with that, they just try to add as much depth to that defensive back room. And I think Keeley is going to be a guy that has tremendous physical traits. You don't see guys that are 6'5 that can run like he can. The biggest thing he would have to work on is ball skills, and I think Steve Spagnuolo is one of the best defensive coaches in the business. That's why he's been doing it as long as he has, and he's a guy that I think can kind of use some of that magic to find the missing piece in Keeley's game to get him over the top in terms of being a great corner at some point but uh, that is the end of this mock draft you're probably wondering you're like Taylor why is there only 31 picks not 32 and that's how many teams there are a reminder that the Dolphins actually forfeited their first round pick this year because of some I believe it was tampering issues going on but basically we only have 31 picks in this first round of this draft in 2023. So that's another little nugget down the line in a few years if you want to pay attention to some of the development for the Dolphins. They're going to be a little bit thin in terms of draft picks with no other alternative there. So that's what they are able to do. We Also, I don't think we had a 49ers pick. Um, look to see what they do with Trey Lance. I don't think they're going to get a full-on first-round pick for him obviously I didn't want to have this go on for seven hours so I only did the first round but um, maybe they can get somebody to overplay overpay for Trey Lance in terms of getting a quarterback so keep an eye on that and also continue to keep an eye on the hopeless sports magic podcast to do that you can follow me on twitter at taylorbell222 and make sure to follow the podcast's Uh, on whichever platform you listen to it on. With that, uh, rise up, and uh, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Hopeless Sports Mantid Podcast.